It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The story must go on. This is part two of WWE, Childhood Memories, sharing our favorite moments and memories. Hey, it's time to play the game and continue the stories. It's game time. Time to play the game. So long ago. It's been a lot of wrestling talk this week because my roommate, shout out to Patty Ice, he's always watching wrestling and he goes, I've never seen ECW. I go, what do you mean you've never seen ECW? I think if you're a wrestling fan, you know what ECW is. Well, it depends on how long you've been watching it, but yeah, yeah, that's really surprising. Yeah, so he he didn't get the channel, I guess, in his town or something like that. I don't know if that was an excuse or not, but (laughs) I'm not going to give shame to that. I think the most important thing about wrestling was that ECW brand because it brought a different side of wrestling that no one's seen ever in yeah. wrestling. The yeah. hardcore. I was watching the other day and one of the kids couldn't handle the blood. And it was just like how real it was with the chair shot, hit to the yeah. head. You know, Tommy Dreamer's bleeding. The you know, tax. RVD. They loved RVD. The tacks, the yeah. tables, oh the bats, the kendo sticks, the everything. Like, it just brought, like, underground wrestling to the mainstream where, to be honest, it made me uncomfortable yeah. being 8, 10 years old at the time and just being like, holy crap, <laughs> this guy's getting beaten with a barbed wire bat. Like, what do I do? Like, yeah. I'm so, I'm not used to this at all. What was the most obscure, because they have had some obscure weapons in oh the WWE. God. What is the most obscure weapon ha- that you've seen? And I'm actually kind of looking to you, Jack, a little bit, because you've been watching it longer than us, I think, at this point. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I think that some of the matches that they've had with those tacks were just insane. The, the kendo stick matches were great. Um, there was a whole match with just kendo sticks. Oh yeah. Wait, was that the one where they like just would throw thirty kendo sticks around and in the ring essentially, and it was just like yep. grab one and start swinging yeah, at each yeah. other? <laughs> I would say honestly, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but the, it was called a death match. And so what it would be like is that it would have barbed wire wires on the ropes, but it was electric. Mm. Like what? And it was in WCW, and they had that all set up. So if you hit the rope, you'd get electrocuted. Are you serious? I've seen the barbed wire ring. With like uh, sparks flying the, the stuff? Electric. Yeah. They brought that back in AEW and it actually, the uh, ending didn't really go as well and it was kind of butchered. Why? What happened? Um, it was the explosives were supposed to be better. Um, but if you've never heard of that, I think that's pretty extreme if you ask me. Yeah, um, the tax definitely. Mick Foley all getting thrown on the tax. It just makes me cringe. More than The Undertaker's theme song, which we'll talk in a little while about. But honestly, those type of matches where they would just shove their foreheads into that barbed wire. Like, how can you say that's fake? I mean, you have to have that just 
even just prick you for it to have you bleed. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. shoving your face in there. It's it's so funny. Like like people like do often jump to it being fake, but I think that's the wrong word. I I mean like it's scripted. It's a soap opera. You know what I mean? Like it is it is scripted and it's a story that they're telling. But what you see when you see Mick Foley get thrown off thirty feet in the air through a table that happens when. Jeff Hardy jumps off a 30-foot ladder and, like, breaks a ladder in half with a guy underneath him. Edge, shout out. That happened. Like, yeah. like, like people getting hit in the head with a chair. Sure, maybe they soften it with... They're not pulling punches, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, like, getting getting hit with weapons and things like that. They they kick the crap out of one and the other. It's, like... It's well, it's crazy. funny you brought that up because I just heard that they're banding the, uh, the slap to the knee when they go to kick. Why? Um, I think that fans have just realized that that's how they kick. Yeah, yeah. And I they think that I think it's more Vince's situation where it's like, oh, well, I don't want them to believe that. And we could get into Vince's mind all day, <laughs> but I don't want to. Um, I think that when you look at that stuff and you say that it's fake, you have to understand that everything that someone does, they're doing something to put on the show. In that type of an event or, you know, if you're doing a magic trick, they're putting on a show. They're still doing real risk. It's not like they're not doing real risk. Like a magician doesn't just go in water, hold its breath, yeah. and then have it be fake. Like it may be, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but it may be his gimmick that he does is is not so much, it's more of an illusion than more of a, you know, this is a real thing. He's actually stuck. But he's in real water. He can really hurt himself. Yeah. And so the thing about the WWE is that it's an illusion. You're starting to see wrestlers fall off you know, high, um, tall structures, they're falling for real. <laughs> but it's how they're landing is more important to them. But the, the audience don't know that. It's an illusion, like I said. The punch, when they turn their head, they turn their head in a certain way. It's an illusion. But that does not mean it takes away the fact from the entertainment part of things. And I think that's the most difficult thing for um, fans and people who just say wrestling's fake in general is that you have to really watch it to get into it. It's really hard to watch it nowadays because the storylines are not the best. But if you watched it back then and you showed someone, I'm going to hit you in the head with a chair. Let's see if it really hurts. And then someone gets hit in the head with a chair. It's going to hurt. In the back, in, in a leg, like that stuff hurts. And that's what people don't get is that that's real pain. I think about like our conversation on the way over here. And we were talking about, you know, how... Disney does an amazing job of making these experiences really immersive. That's what it's about. It's about getting the audience immersed into the experience, right? And it's so funny, too. I, I don't know if it was last weekend or two weekends ago, but um, we, were, we were chilling, and uh, somebody just threw on the TV a Royal Rumble match, an old, an old one where John Cena returned from his injury. And people were there who, who had never seen it before, ever in their life, watched wrestling, and they were infatuated by it. Like, it's just... It's just crazy. You just can't look away. Yeah. And it's like, with the Royal Rumble, it's like you didn't know who was coming next. You would see, like, all these different guys just coming in, and you're like, what? You know, everyone had their different personas, mm -hmm. and everyone had different things about them. And just, like, to think it, WWE made this whole, like, universe where it's like, every guy had friends, and every guy had enemies, and every time you saw that guy... 
you would think, oh, I remember his match with so and so, or oh, I remember he was a tag team with so and so, and it's so cool to think about. And you know, I'm sure if someone who hasn't watched wrestling before saw these guys coming in, they're just like, oh, that's a weird looking dude. Like, I wonder what his story is. Yeah, you brought up the fact that you were eight years old watching those type of matches. Guys getting hit in the head with a chair. <laughs> Have you ever once ever looked away, like? while someone jumped off a ladder or while someone went through a table or you were just so excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was weird for sure. Um, I was going to say I definitely didn't look away. I remember there was one match where I looked away and it was just because someone <laughs> busted their nose. Oh, yeah. And he was bleeding. Like, it was real. Like, that was, that you couldn't, like, there was no way that was an illusion. He really, like, broke his nose, and there was just blood spewing everywhere. Um, but as far as, like, chair shots and everything like that, I feel like I was kind of desensitized to it with ECW. Yeah. In that hardcore-style wrestling. Like, it definitely, like, showed me, like, that there are, like, super dark parts to wrestling <laughs> instead of, like, the super light regular tag team match on a Friday. So. Yeah, push your imagination as oh, to what was possible. Yeah. I think what was always, like, really comical about WWE was, like, what was always under the ring. Like, you'd be like, <laughs> oh, a table, not a big deal. Oh, a chair, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, a sledgehammer. Like, why the heck do they need that? Or, like, oh, a human is under the ring. Like, Hornswoggle is just chilling under there or something yeah. weird. Like, that was always kind of, like, Going into Pandora's box and you never knew what was going to come out of there. That was always so exciting to kind of see. We watched grown men wrestle each other. Okay. In tights, first of all. And second of all. Lathered up. Yeah, lathered up with oil. Yes. (laughs) But also the fact that we watched guys smack each other's with chairs at eight years old. And we were like, oh, that's a bad guy. We want him to get hit with a chair. Mm. When... Now I'm like, that's a person. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think too, what kind of what Chris was going on with Persona is like Persona's changed, right? So like yeah. one one week or you know, you hated Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was the bad guy. Remember when John Cena first showed up, he took on Brock Lesnar, right? Yep. Then Brock Lesnar like came back or whatever and he was maybe maybe the good guy. Randy Orton had that same arc. He was the bad guy forever. Then people started rooting for him. And I do think like that seniority comes into that that part as well too. You know, Triple H was a bad guy forever and he was a very good heel. Yeah. He was very good at it. But then he was there for so long, people started respecting him a little bit more. It's a kind of a shame what happened to John Cena, which is he's always been the good guy. I can't imagine him being a heel ever. And that force of over time him not being able to like go to that heel side just for who his persona was, I think it kind of bit him a little bit like people were just kind of he was getting old in that sense like his act was getting a little old um when it came to that yeah i mean to talk about john cena what he's doing now he's on wipeout he's doing a bunch of movies and it honestly is he looks like he's walking away but i don't think he is i think that vince always finds a way like he did with hulk hogan to turn him into a bad persona i mean Hollywood Hulk Hogan was definitely something that nobody expected. 
Yeah. I mean, at the time, there was a lot going on with that and the NWO. And I think that John Cena, if they were to do something like an NWO or an, an, a Nexus again, um, John Cena could be a part of that. I think that for looking at these hero superstars, like Roman Reigns, I mean, he was a big hero for a while. And then people started to hate him like John Cena. Yeah. They finally turned him into a heel. And now some people are sick of it. And so it's like everyone is never going to be satisfied with the wrestler. Yeah. With the gimmick. It's just not going to happen. But I think that if you bring John Cena back in a way that John Cena's never been. Like, almost like a... It's weird to say this, but because of that... Firefly Funhouse match that he had at WrestleMania with Bray Wyatt, where he went into this new version of a match that we've never seen, more of a promo, they were pretty much making fun of John Cena and how he's always been this strong guy and how he was pretty much putting Bray Wyatt down, and that's how it looked, of who he was in the ring. And everybody wanted John Cena, but when Bray Wyatt was out there, it wasn't about him. It was all about John Cena. And so then it showed different situations of him. I don't know if you guys ever seen this no, match. I don't know what you're talking about. But it sounds cool. It's this match allowed us to look at it and go, okay, well, what's what happened to Cena? Because Cena hasn't been in wrestling since that moment. So is that going to be where he's transformed because of the Bray Wyatt situation? Which Bray Wyatt is a whole different story we could get into another time. This idea that one guy is transformed into a monster in a way. And that he's the Fiend character. But he's also going after people that he's had rivalries with. Randy Orton, um, John Cena, obviously, Daniel Bryan. In general, WWE could look at that and take that idea and bring him back as a heel. I don't know I don't know if it's too late, though. I, and I agree with you guys that it may be a little late with the fact that you had an opportunity. And this is what WWE is lacking on, is that... You have an opportunity to make these guys heels, but you don't do it there. So when you guys talked about how he was a good person, half of the crowd didn't respect him. And that was the biggest issue, was that they didn't respect him. He was, yeah, he was literally exiled by the fans. But the story writers were literally trying to force him to be the hero, right? And the fans were like, this is getting old. And so... Even when he came out, people started booing him just because it was the same story over and over again. I think it, it makes sense. Like, if he came back, he I think he has to be the healer and the same thing will happen again. But it's almost, like, too predictable at that sense. Like, if, if they bring John Cena back as a heel, like you said, Jack, it would be the same exact thing as, uh, like, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, essentially. It'd have to be. But is there is there something else? Is there an in-between? Like, I kind of like this idea of where, I don't know if this is really what you were saying, because I don't know the story that well, but the the guy who he was in the funhouse with, like, he almost bullied that dude into insanity is kind of what it sounds well, like. Well, I don't want to make this argument yet, but I think that John Cena has a really big part in how Bray Wyatt acts in the WWE, because that was a huge match for Bray Wyatt to yeah. face John Cena. Did he win? John Cena won that match. Yeah. And um, John Cena went against Bray Wyatt. And I think that because of Bray Wyatt and the way his Fiend character was, he was able to defeat John Cena. 
But the only reason he was able to beat John Cena is to go back to where those moments happened, to pretend to be John Cena in a way, where he walked out as Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yeah. That was what they were showing was Bray Wyatt. And then John Cena, with when his first debut yeah. against Kurt Angle. Yep. He was, they was dressed up like that. Oh, yeah. So he brought him back to those moments to show kind of what has happened to John Cena over time. It was really interesting. It's very It's definitely mind. It's a mind match, mm-hmm. I, I would call it. It's something to look up if you've never seen it. I will. I will. It's very good. So we talked about kind of the storyline aspect and this idea of storylines. What has made them so appealing to you guys over the over the years? I mean, right now there's not the best storylines in the WWE, but when we watched it, when we were little kids, weird to say that, what was the best part of those storylines that brought you into wrestling? The idea of everyone's background, where it's like, with some of the storylines, some of the wrestlers came over from, like, I remember old underground things like Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. which was like, underground wrestling organization or like even stuff in japan like mm. all these wrestlers from japan would come over and they're high flying yeah, yeah super yeah. cool um i was gonna say as far as storylines go t- i think the biggest thing that pulled me in about storylines is like tag teams yeah it's like yeah. how some people would literally come in together like the storyline of like how I remember watching WWE and it would be SmackDown or Raw and there would be a promo of these two guys. Like, I think of like Jesse and Festus, mm-hmm. which I'm sure nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but Jesse and Festus stuck with me. They were probably the worst wrestlers I've ever seen. But <laughs> they stuck with me because they always had that promo of one loud Southern guy talking and then the other guy would say nothing. Yeah. He was like seven feet tall, 300 something pounds, and he would say nothing. But they go into the ring and like, you know, they debuted, they go into the ring and they just like demolish everybody. Yeah. And it's just like that storyline. It just like bring everyone in and it would show different promos of them every week. And it would really like bring their story into everyone else's. And they were somehow involved. Which I always thought was super cool was the story. Yeah, the story it, it would like build hype up over time. Right. Yeah. I I am a sucker for a David versus Goliath story. I am a sucker yeah. for it. Um, I think the one like the key one that kind of comes to mind is Daniel Bryan because he was kind of like basic to be completely honest with you. Like yeah. he didn't really have that much going for him. But all of a sudden, like, people started catching on. Like, this is the beauty of WWE is, like, some things happen by chance, um, but some things are very, like, choreographed. So, like, Daniel Bryan, for instance, he'd be getting wins. Like, just here and there. Just more and more wins. And people started, like, the fans started going, this guy's starting to win. And in my head, like, I don't, that's the part where I'm like, did they plan 10 years ago that Daniel Bryan was going to be as large as he was? I highly doubt it in my head. You know, it's like, okay, Daniel Bryant this week is going to be facing this guy. Cool. Um, Okay, Daniel Bryant's going to win. Sweet. Next week, Daniel Bryant's going to win. And then over time, you're like, oh, wow, this dude's starting to really get hot. We need to keep playing this. And they start writing a story from that. And I think that, like, balance of natural, you know, wins and getting the crowd on their side, just maybe by their gimmick or something like that, that bleeds into that's like the background like we were with that dude from the start 
you know, and then it starts becoming something larger. So that's that. And then you have like the boogeyman and he just has a very like, it's stained in my brain. That dude was eating handfuls of worms, you know, like he didn't really get any wins. He didn't really have that much to him, but like, it's still stuck with me. In my opinion, I would choose the latter though. You know, you have somebody that was just a regular wrestler. They came in, they started getting wins, and then they started having a story written behind them versus they just have this gimmick, and that just sticks there. Like, I can't seriously remember the Boogeyman having a a crazy story arc other than with Hornswoggle, which is like, come on. Like, that wasn't, like, WWE Championship material storyline, you know? I mean, yeah, you talk about Daniel Bryan and how he's been really successful. It it all goes back to that fan perspective of what the fans want. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has kind of been left to the writers now, nowadays of WWE. Back then it was all about fans and it was all about kind of what the fans wanted. As soon as that yes movement, you know, that that, they came up with that. Yes, yes, yes. The crowd did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But they came up with that. Yeah. And so didn't the idea of him winning and him being the underdog, that's how the story started with all that, is because the crowd wanted that. And mm-hmm. I, I think that, honestly, it's weird, but it still is a little bit around today, a little bit, not as much as it was back then, even though that wasn't really that long ago, it was like 2017 or 18, um, or 16, one of those. But nowadays, they have this character going back to the fiend because he's so prevalent today and even the undertaker said you know he's one of his favorites right now we'll get into that in a little bit but the fiend is such an interesting character where he has this personality of a mr rogers type of figure and then a completely crazy monster but the audience enjoys that those two things so going back to dan o'brien I was trying to make that argument is that those fans created those characters more yeah. than the writers created the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I don't know too. like, I'm thinking back to like raw is war error. Mm. That wasn't really the case back then too. Like, do you have any characters that come to mind that the fans literally incited what the, the characters were doing? That seems like a very 2010s thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I would say that, I mean, a big one that comes to mind is definitely, like, Sandman, where he goes through mm. the crowd, he takes the beer, or I don't know if he took someone's beer, maybe he took a, <laughs> his own beer, yeah. and just smashed it on his head. But you look like a complete idiot that if you a, don't have a crowd. That was a yeah. gimmick, though. That, that was a gimmick thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It, I, I think it's something to look into. I think the gimmick plays a lot with the crowd's perspective, obviously. <laughs> but with that question, it's... It's a tough one to think about. I was watching one not that long ago, and like the one dude's gimmick recently is like he just goes out in the middle of the ring and he plays guitar, and the entire time just the crowd boos him. That's like that's that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. I think like a no-name wrestler that I could think of the crowd really like getting behind for some reason I will never know why is Santino. Oh my yeah. god! And how, I hated you know, Santino. <laughs> like, he was just, but I, yeah. He was just this guy, like he, like Daniel Bryan. 
And he never got it to the big matches or the big title fights or anything like that. But he would just come in and everyone, you couldn't help but cheer him on yeah. because he was like, like you said earlier, that David and Goliath like figure, yep. but he was David mm-hmm. and like he was fighting a whole bunch of other Davids, mm-hmm. but he was the number one guy. Like they, And I think that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly it. Like the, the crowd was just like, that dude and then all of yeah. a sudden i'm pretty sure he did get a few titles right yeah he got a couple of titles that that cobra what he did oh yeah was yeah, yeah. a remake of definitely of mick foley's yeah. uh Sacco. Mm-hmm. but i remember he did get a couple of titles he was in the royal rumble and i remember alberto won the royal rumble he thought he did but alberto was the last one in the ring and they tried it was great because he santino was pointing to the wrestlemania sign he was about to throw him out and i'll Alberto reversed it and threw out Santino out of the ring. And Alberto won. That was the 40-man Royal Rumble when I wanted Triple H to come back. Wow. And that was the one that I saw. And um, like you said with Santino, he had those mic skills that were just like oh, wicked funny. Yeah. Same with uh, Mr. Kennedy. Oh, he had yeah. some of Another the one. best mic skills. Yep. I mean, like just like what I was saying, the dude sits in the ring and just booed the whole time. This dude came out and said his name. And the crowd like hated him, but it was it was so good. That was a, you'd eat yeah, it up. He brought the crowd in yeah. so much, and that made him such a big figure, just because of that crowd involvement. And everyone just like got behind this average Joe guy, like <laughs> yeah. who just said his name in the you know that was his thing. That it's so funny too. You have like such a diversity too. You get like okay, you have Mr. Kennedy who like wouldn't shut up, and and like Santino Morel who would not shut up. And they're like just these like random little guys right. who like they had their waves of popularity. And then you have the Undertaker. Yeah. He would say three words a month. Like that's right. it. You know, every now and then he'd come on and be like, You are done. And then that was the end of his spiel. But he didn't need to because he had such a prominent like presence when he walked into the arena with all the theatrics, the lights, the eyes rolling in the back Always. of his head. You know. Always. He it's cool to kind of see that diversity in the of, of characters in the in the ring and he also had so many different alter egos he where did. it was like you know the american badass and then it was oh, like yeah. the undead zombie guy that he was yep. or like anything in between it was just crazy to see how versatile of a character he was even though that's what he came in as was the undead zombie man i think that you guys talk about the idea of the matches, the idea of the characters. But it all starts from that promo. If you can't give a promo, a lot of the wrestlers don't make it as far. The promo goes with the crowd, goes with the perspective. Hulk Hogan was probably one of the best, but that microphone skill was so important, I think, for our for fans in general to yep. get behind the crowd. I remember The Rock, Stone Cold. Oh, yeah. The Miz is definitely up there for my favorite smack talker. Not because he's my favorite wrestler, but yeah. he just knows how to get the crowd to hate him. Yep. Yeah, but I don't I don't personally I don't think having good mic skills was important because you have somebody like Kane and the Undertaker who didn't use the mic that much and they were some of the most popular and most best wrestlers of all time, you know? Mm. Like there there's that they can be great at the mic. But also, they don't have to be great at the mic. They can also be really good in the ring. Like, I'm thinking about, like, Bobby Lashley, right? Yeah. That dude didn't talk that much either. No, like, still he doesn't. He was so good. Oh, yeah, I forgot he came back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Still doesn't talk. <laughs> MVP's talking for him now, believe it or not. Really? Isn't wow. that weird? Yeah. That's weird. So who who was the best to talk on the mic in, in wrestling, in your opinion? And then we can get into The Undertaker. Yeah, sure. Um, who is the best mic skills in the WWE all time? Yeah. Does Paul Bearer count? Because <laughs> he sure got the crowd going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that dude. Yeah, does. That I, I honestly would say that dude had excellent mic skills because he knew how to get the crowd riled up in a negative way. He just, yeah. he knew where they were at. He knew how to poke them. But personally, The Rock. Rock. The Rock, he just brought something new that nobody had seen. The way he talked, his energy. Hilarious. Like, the most electrifying. Ah, 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 it just, like, goes on and on and on. Like so those catchphrases, too, that get yeah. the crowd, too. He had so many catchphrases. So many. I, I, I have to say The Rock, I think. When I think of Mike skills, I think of Chris Jericho. Because Chris Jericho had, way back when, was mm-hmm. the highlight reel. Where that kind of he'd bring in wrestlers and he'd interview them, but like he would speak his mind and he would just trash talk if he wanted to. And he would just call out whoever he wanted to on his show or he'd invite a rival onto the show. And you know that if you tuned in, something was going to happen. And I think that mic skill of like calling someone out at the back, like he was the one to do it or he would have them on the promo and then they would come out and, it would just be crazy. You just couldn't look away from it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, John Cena, I think. Really? Mm. The way he brought the crowd to either hate him or love him. The way he came out, the way he rapped about certain wrestlers, the way <laughs> yeah. he oh, just yeah. talked. You know, the, the conversation that he had with The Rock was great. It's just... And to look at that as a fan, you just absolutely love characters like that. And I think that my second one would be is The Miz. The way he allowed people to hate him. He was so good at what he was doing that people hated him. The fact that, honestly, he's not the best wrestler compared to a lot of the wrestlers. But the way he talked on the mic made him become that better wrestler. It's so cool how, like, I don't disagree with anything you guys said. Like, like, like all, all of the wrestlers that we just mentioned as, like, the top microphone, like, people, like... There's so many. There's so There's many. So many. Yeah. I'm surprised none of us said Stone Cold Steve Austin, honestly, because he he did have he, yeah. excellent mic skills. Well, I question. think we I'm, all agree that Stone Cold. I'm surprised none of us said Vince McMahon. Yeah. As well, because that's all he usually had, yeah. which was interesting. Um, Triple H too. Triple Honestly. H was really good too. Yeah, that's cool though. It's really cool to kind of see Vicky Guerrero. Summer. Oh my goodness! <laughs> did, you, did you see that? My first reaction wait, was literally wait. like, "I hate that." Best girl. one, Teddy Long. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, play it. Yeah. Like calling out the Undertaker. Oh, right? Slobberknocker. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that I would say yeah, my favorite it. match of all time is either Shawn Michaels versus the Undertaker or Batista versus the Undertaker when. Undertaker jumped over the rope oh, yeah. into the camera guy. I think that was definitely one of my favorite matches. I, there's so many. Like I could say Triple H versus The Undertaker. Those were great. We could even go back and look at kind of like Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Oh, yeah. In that was the, good too. Yeah, those matches. There's so many, but I would definitely say it's an Undertaker match. Undertaker versus Batista. One of my favorites. Yeah, that was, that was unbelievable. I remember him jumping over the ropes and it was just like unheard of 
It was yeah, because he's such a big guy. You didn't expect it. Yeah, and he just wow. You just didn't expect it. Well, him and him and uh, Mr. Kennedy had some great matches too. Yeah, I mean that promo when we watched was watching it the other day. It's why I bring it up. Is that the hearse driving back? And and I remember us like freaking out, and then Saw came on after, and we were more scared as kids. (laughs) Um, But just those matches where he. Him and Teddy and, and just his mind games yep. in general. All right, yeah. let's talk about The Undertaker. All right. Let's, let's talk about The Undertaker. Well, actually, I know I keep saying I'm ready to talk about The Undertaker, but I know we're going to get there because of my following question. Who is the greatest wrestler of all time? Yeah, you're trying to steal my show. I am a little bit. Who is the greatest wrestler of all time? <laughs> Undertaker. No, I'd say The Rock. You say The Rock. The Rock. Why do you say The Rock? I'm gonna ask you about The Undertaker. I think I already know the answer, but like when I, when I, if Still someone told show. me name a WWE wrestler, I think The Rock because he had the mic skills, he had the like he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. He was prevalent. Like anytime they wanted to interview about WWE, it would, The Rock would be the spokesman. Um, I was gonna say The Rock, like. Showed up in movies, like he had all the big matches. He had the coolest moves too. Yeah, he was he had just the like coolest moves. He was just the guy. He was just the go-to guy. Like any, like you, he was the guy. I think where you could go to anywhere in the world, and you show a picture of this guy, and they go, "That's the Rock." Yeah. And yeah. where do they know him from? From wrestling. Yeah. More than likely, like ninety mm-hmm. percent chances from wrestling. I think I can totally appreciate that too. Like he, he had everything. Like you know, we were talking about earlier. Some people had mic skills, some didn't. Some had high flying moves, some didn't. He had high flying moves. He had submission moves. He had his own choke slam, his own finisher. He had the best mic skills. Like he had it all as a wrestler. He had everything. You know. Um, and he also had accolades too, multiple time champion. Yeah, that's a really good one, Jack. You said the Undertaker. Why? Well, I think after watching the documentary on WWE Network, it's proven that he's everyone has loved the Undertaker. There's not one person that hates the Undertaker. Vince and him got along very well. Um, I don't know for any other wrestlers that never liked the Undertaker. I think that he had a mutual respect with everyone. His streak was so prominent in the WWE. Everybody was wondering, every WrestleMania, what is going to be Undertaker's match? Is it going to be a streak match? Is it going to be... Who's it going to be against? Um, What type of stipulation is it going to be against? And it's like, as soon as they put together that streak, it became a thing that everybody wanted at WrestleMania. Everybody wanted to see The Undertaker. I remember one year, there was no WrestleMania match with The Undertaker, and it was just not the same. And to look back and say why he's the greatest, his character, the way he captivated an audience with just a gong sound, <laughs> with just his appearance in the ring. You said he's not, he didn't need to have those mic skills. I think that his presence in general was his mic skills. Yeah. His appearance was his mic skills. Mm-hmm. The way he played those mind games. We were watching a promo the other day of the Unforgiven when he was returning 
at Unforgiven to face, I think it was Kane. I'm not exactly sure who it was. But the way they put him in his character, like you said, he had so many different characters, but he was the Undertaker in yeah. every single character he played. He might have been the badass, but he was always the Undertaker. True. He always had that voice, you know, that that voice that captivated so many people. The eyes rolling in the back, the hat. Just every time you would think of a wrestler, it would either be Hulk Hogan, John Cena, or The Undertaker. And I think that when I say he's the greatest of all time, he's proven it. He's had champions. He's been in matches. He's had his streak. No other wrestler has done that. No other wrestler has been 21-2 and two now. Um, and I think that that's where the greatest of all time comes in play. Is that streak? Yeah, I I think I have to also say the Undertaker, and I just think it's because he started in like WrestleMania three, right? Where when I like think of him, how many WrestleManias are we at now? Thirty, almost, almost thirty, almost thirty-seven, almost thirty-seven. Like he's probably the longest standing wrestler who's who's had the same gimmick and able to do that we are at 37 thank you and we're able and he's able to hold up that mantle for as long as he had with very little waiver you know he doesn't need to change you know like rick flair was like he kind of with his old age you know he he did get old and he wrestled for a really long time his thing kind of changed a little bit it had to just because of like his physical ability. To me, he's kind of like the Tom Brady of wrestling. Like he just been doing it for so damn long and has been so successful and still captivates the audience. And yeah, I don't know. I think like internally as a WWE fan, I have to say, I have to say him. I think externally, I would agree with Chris though. I think if, if I wasn't a wrestling fan and I, wanted somebody to get into i would probably recommend the rock because that era too of wrestling was like the 90s were like in my opinion was the best it was the best the 90s and 2000s were the the best 20 years of wrestling in my opinion yeah nobody mentioned stone cold i know and it's so weird because stone cold has just been that guy that everyone loved and i think that when you you think of the greatest wrestlers of all time he, he's definitely up there, but he's just not my favorite. I don't think he wasn't, in my opinion, he wasn't that good of a wrestler. Yeah. He was fantastic off the mic. He was better off the mic than he was on, in my opinion. You know, I think that's what The Rock, in my opinion, The, the Rock and The Undertaker have over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Was they were excellent in the ring, and they had a really unique... Um, story outside of the ring a really unique character outside the ring stone cold steve austin was just like i remember him for the things he did outside the ring rather than the things he did inside the ring well i was gonna say actually you know sorry i was gonna say stone cold versus the rock wrestlemania that was a good one i remember because that was like when i'm pretty sure that was the one that they always show where Stone Cold and The Rock stop fighting and they just look at each other and the crowd goes 
bananas. Yeah, and The Rock, like, and whips his the head. The Rock just looks at the crowd. The crowd goes even crazier. <laughs> and it's just like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, that's, I think that was, like, WWE at its peak. Yeah. And everybody knew it. Yeah. Like, that match. Like, I, I can't even recall that actual match, but I could just recall that moment. Yeah. I'm li- I literally have goosebumps you talking about yeah, it. It's like, awesome. It, it it's was so, cool. so awesome. That was so awesome. My favorite Undertaker match of all time. It's, re- it's a really, really tough one. Yeah. It has to be a WrestleMania match. Like, in my opinion, like, those were his best matches because there was so much at stake for each one of those. The Shawn Michaels one was... Oh, it was great. Oh, my goodness. It went on Especially and on. because he came out as the Undertaker. Shawn Michaels with the white hat and yeah. the white robe and yeah. it comes down. And yeah. I did those... The mind games and those gimmicks that they had for him were just great. Yeah, yeah I agree. So I agree with that one, too. Do you think that... You yeah, think the I, Shawn Michaels I think that's probably one of my favorites. It's either that or Triple H. Those two. It's so funny, too. Like, like... These are all the wrestlers that I think were the best at like what they did, but I haven't like mentioned, and I don't know if you guys if this happened for you. I haven't mentioned my favorite wrestlers. My favorite wrestlers were like Jeff Hardy, Edge, and Goldberg, which are like not they're not the best in my opinion. Yeah. You know, they're not, but they put on the best show when I was watching it. I mean, I hadn't even watched Goldberg wrestle live really, yeah. but looking back and like finding his match, his like you know highlights and his matches like. I I modeled my wrestler when we were in the backyard after Goldberg and Edge and Jeff Hardy, actually. Why do you think that you looked at those wrestlers as, like, heroes? I don't know if I would say heroes. Because, frankly, not one of those guys were heroes. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Hardy had his rocky moments. I was rooting for John Cena when it was the John Cena-Edge rivalry. You know, Goldberg was not the sweetest guy either. They weren't heroes, but they're... To you, I they think, weren't heroes. Yeah, to me, they weren't heroes. But I think their moves... I love their wrestling style. The spear is, like, my favorite wrestling move of all time, probably. That and the choke slam, those are probably my top two favorite. And then Jeff Hardy was, like... His, like, posture and, and like, who he was, like, literally, physically, his, like, body mass... Like, it reminded me of me. But he was a high flyer. You know, he proved that big guys could be doing that, like, you know that movie you used to do? He'd run up the rope, like, do a backflip and yep. a 360 and, like, hit the guy in the head with his foot. Like, that was crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was cool to see people do that. And he put on the best shows. My favorite early. matches were with Jeff Hardy. My two mm-hmm. favorite matches were with Jeff Hardy. Love you. My favorite wrestlers? CM Punk. Oh, yeah. Hands down was my number one. Um, Surprised you didn't put him on the uh, Mike's list. Uh, yeah, the you know what? Now that I think of it, <laughs> CM Punk on the mic did, was. Yeah. It's very similar to Chris Jericho. It was. Like, yeah. To be honest, I think I thought of Chris Jericho because I think Chris Jericho did it first. Yeah. yeah. But like CM Punk definitely modeled his mic skills after Chris Jericho because CM Punk was all about the microphone he'd come out he'd sit on the stage and he would just (laughs) trash talk everybody and didn't care yeah um but yeah hands down he was great i loved his style of wrestling um john cena was definitely 
like how could you not yeah like yeah. you know i love him or hate him he had so many i could go on and on about the faces of john cena and like how he changed from like this jersey wearing rapper to like this guy who would just like you know trash talk everyone you know um yeah i was gonna say edge you know it's funny because like seeing john cena versus edge was like the craziest thing for me because it's like i did like edge and then it came into my world of like liking john cena like i said earlier where it's just like i really don't want this to happen but i do want this to happen i really want to take over um and then my final favorite wrestler so many Mm-hmm. Like the, there's so many. So you have you you do CM, CM Punk, Punk John Cena, Cena Edge, Edge, and this is your Mount Washington, like your yeah, personal. This could, this could be my Mount personal Washington. Mount Washington. Yeah, you're good. We can come around. Yeah, we're I'm doing Mount Washington. Yeah, yeah, your personal favorite. Personal favorite Mount top Washington. Four, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be some uh, there's some weird guys on here. I think. Um, can I guess for you? Yeah, go ahead, try. <laughs> can I? The yeah. Miz. Yep. The Undertaker. Yep. Um, I don't know the name of... I keep forgetting his name. The guy that you were just talking about that just faced John Cena. The Fiend. The Fiend. Bray Not Bray Wyatt. Because you used to wear the, the lamb mask all the time. Sheep. Um, it's a sheep. sheep. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's, that was like the era that I started phasing out a little bit more. I love those like creepy dudes like yeah, i've always yeah. wanted to be like like when <laughs> we were wrestling yeah i always so wanted much. to be like the heel character yep. in wrestling but i never really wanted to do it yeah yeah you didn't want to commit to it i would get the lantern i'd have the sheet mask and i'd want to come out and be the heel right. but he wasn't even a heel honestly because no. people love that stuff yeah they love that like creepiness it was that promo yeah yeah, yeah it was so good yeah we're here yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I think yours would be The Miz, yours would be Bray Wyatt, yours would be The Undertaker. I don't know what your fourth would be. Like I'm just shooting in the dark now. Maybe John Cena, maybe. Yeah, John Cena, you think so? Why? Why those guys? Why those guys? Well, I, I think it goes... It was Jeff Hardy for a long time, oh, and man. I think I was just really disappointed when he did drugs. And I was young when I figured that out, and yeah. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I realize it now, you know, obviously getting being older. Um, it's so weird to talk about that too. But um Jeff Hardy, just the way he jumped off the ladder, again, those captivating moments for audiences is a huge part of why I love wrestling. Mm-hmm. The fact that wrestling brings people together. Um and the fact that we can talk about an amazing moment that we watched on TV. It's the same thing with sports. Those amazing moments in sports. Yeah. But with Jeff Hardy jumping off a ladder, it was something I've never seen before. I was like, why the heck is this guy jumping off a... What was it? 50 feet? How far? How tall was it? The largest ladders they have was 30 feet. 30 feet. The one that comes to mind, I'll never forget it. it, Even off the Hell in a Cell he jumped off, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, in the one that... The 30-foot ladder that I'm thinking about, he could have won the match. It was, it was, I think it was a WrestleMania match, but he was at the top. Everybody else was bodies everywhere, right? He was at the top and he looks at the crowd and he looks at the, (laughs) he looks at the title. Then he looks at the body laying on the ground down there and he chose that moment. If he won that, 
I probably wouldn't remember that match. But he decided to jump off. That's huge. Those are the moments. Is that interesting? Yeah. yeah, those are the moments. I would say the Miz. That's true. Uh, just the way he talked on the mic, the way he was a chick magnet to the girls. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, I remember that. I think his name was Big Dick, honestly. The guy that would come out. Oh, my God. And just be naked in, like, a thong or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. And and he would, and he would, Big Dick would be there, whatever, dancing. And it was, like, the Mrs. Birthday. Yeah, just those funny that. moments yeah, yeah, that cracked yeah. me up. Um, Undertaker, like I've, I've said before, I, he's the greatest of all time. Um... I think that the reason why he's in my Mount Washington is because of his character. I mean, that's like the biggest thing. His character was from different from everyone else's. It was the, you know, good versus the heel versus a hero versus the evil. In my opinion, that's kind of how I looked at it. And you have different characters, mm-hmm. charismatic characters. And he was just like very silent and very spooky. But he was just a guy that, again... Everybody, eyes were on him. Every time The Undertaker comes out, I get goosebumps. We were watching a video the other day. A video on the, the small laptop. That sound, goosebumps. And that's why he just, That's why he, I think he's just the greatest. The way the sound, his character. And every time that's the song, the entrance, the pyro, the smoke. Just You're, you're so captivated to watch. Uh, John Cena, I think that we've just grown up with John Cena, and I think that um, the attitude adjustment, which was originally the FU, um, it was awesome to just see his his personality, him rapping. I mean, I didn't watch a lot when he was rapping, but the matches he would face, and he would just be like such a hero to me, um, and I think he's just such a big hero to everyone else, like kids in general, but... Just everyone who watched wrestling, they know who John Cena is. I mean, the John Cena prank call, obviously, everybody knows that. Um, funny stuff. But I think that another person that I I don't know if you guys would think is this as a Mount Washington, I think would definitely be Chris Benoit. I think that his career, the way he wrestled, was just so interesting to me. And it's so sad to talk about him like this. But it's just the way he wrestled. The, mm. He was just brutal it's sometimes. Yeah. His headbutts like, just were awesome. Yeah. He's definitely on my Mount Washington. And yeah, I think that wow. he deserves to be on my Mount Washington because of the way he wrestled. He put his body on the line like many wrestlers did. But those headbutts, yeah. oh Flying my headbutts. god. Flying headbutts, yeah. He... He would definitely... And it's it's sad for his story. If he were able to be here, I think that he would be a big success right now. I think it would be huge. Huge for the company. And I think that looking at those guys who've had an impact that people don't really know about, because there's guys right now that are impacting wrestling in general, but he was a huge part of why the company was starting to get bigger, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Benoit. I mean, Rey Mysterio comes to mind too, but I think Chris Benoit. Yeah. yeah. I think my fourth, so I said, um, I said Edge, I said Jeff Hardy, I said Goldberg. My fourth would be Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. And then a close, yeah. really close fifth would be Triple H. And yeah. And probably yeah. DX together. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. but like Shawn Michaels, he like, kind of same thing with Undertaker. He was in it for so long. His gimmick did not need to change because he always put on a show. That kick, man. That kick was 
awesome. Yeah. It was like, and he could pull it out of nowhere, but he also could tune up the band, right? And yeah. like, kind of get you all excited for it. He just, he always put on really, really good shows. I, yeah, I love Shawn Michaels. So you talked about DX, right? Yeah. Tag teams in the WWE, they were huge, a huge part of wrestling. Huge part of that hot tag that we all love. Mm-hmm. V-Factor doesn't count as one of your favorite tag teams. I'm sorry. So what what is your favorite tag team duo in the WWE? There's so many. Brian Kendrick and Paul London come to mind to me. <laughs> Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy come to mind to me. But all time, who's your favorite tag team and why? I have to choose one. have to choose one. This is a wrestling podcast. We can't go, oh, well, this, this, and that. Jeez. I feel like we've been doing that this whole time. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. That's fine. It's, it's between Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, the Hardy brothers, and, and DX for me. Wow. It's between those two. Those, those were some of my favorite wrestlers. They've held some of my favorite matches. I'll probably say Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy just because I watched them more when I was like, actually, when I was like really into it and really watching wrestling. Um, DX was a little bit before my time, but looking back, they also were so much fun too. You know, so I would say the Hardy Brothers. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say the Spirit Squad. Well, who the heck's the Spirit Squad? Oh, oh my, oh my god. god, never did mind. I, did I screw up? Never mind. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> just went right over your head. Was that those are the guys in the the jumpsuits? Yes, right? the jumpsuit. was that it? got poop thrown on them. Oh yeah, oh, by DX. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I do remember. Wow, DX caused chaos. Yeah. They will never be a tag team that causes that much funny chaos and that much inappropriate chaos wow. as well they in were, the WWE. They were the the. Stone Cold Steve Austin oh, of tag teams. Yes. Like, they, oh, they were so that, You know, it was like Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's like two Stone Colds versus Vince McMahon. Yes, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. In the company. Oh, so oh it was great. Funny. And so it's funny, funny how they're all family now, too. Yeah. Triple H marrying, yeah, Stephanie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they turned that into a storyline, and then it was the real thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Crazy. What about you, Chris? Rated RKO. Oh. Rated RKO was... The best lethal. So Randy Orton's my fourth because he had, I think he had the best finisher because it was the most simple. The mm. RKO, you best. know, the meme comes out of nowhere, happens all the time. <laughs> so good. But like, he, him and Edge were just two heel powerhouses. When they worked together, people liked them. Yeah. Them separately, like, nobody liked them. But when they came together, people couldn't help but watch. And it was so cool to see these two powerhouse superstars just work together and take on any teams that were in the WWE. Then they became the champs. It was so cool. Who was, I'm, I'm forgetting, who was their, like, biggest robbery, would you say? Or most enta- entertaining one that stuck with you? I was going to say, thinking of their rivalries, you know... I think DX might have been one. Was it? I think it was Radar KO and DX might wow. have had a boat, which was like four of the biggest superstars <laughs> in the company. It doesn't really get Just much going much head to head. It's like you can't beat that. Or a yeah, title, too. I think that. they had the title. Yeah, they did too. have the title at the time. Yep. Edge's WWE title yep. with a riff on John Cena's was so cool. Awesome. Is that one of your favorites? So awesome. For a title? Yeah, I mean, I like the Smoking Skull one because that's the one that we had as a replica, and like, I that was my champion title when yeah. I was champion. Um, but yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that spinner belt's my favorite. Yeah, all the spinner yeah. belts. Yeah. Spinner belts. It was so sick. cool. That was the best. I think, too, like, not a lot of people talk about is, like, seeing how the title would change when it'd go person to person. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. it was like, sometimes the belts would move around and, like, you know, they ended up merging the heavyweight and the undisputed mm-hmm. at that time. And then John Cena made it the spinner. And then for some reason, the spinner just stayed. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And like until, yeah. you know, obviously they merged them. But it was crazy to see, like, the change in the belts over the years. Um, John Cena's U.S. title. Yeah. I remember that spun. That one was like, so what, cool. Like, what was that? Every time John Cena got the belt, it just spun. I don't know why. <laughs> Like, that was, that his, was his thing. thing. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, just, I guess so. It that's looks cool. what made him so cool when he, like, when he first joined. Because everything he touched, he made, I don't know if you could argue made better, but it was just different. It was unique. Yeah. He took a spin on everything that no one else had done before. Mm-hmm. And it was light, too. It wasn't like he came in and just, like, wreaked havoc all over the place, but he came in and he had his own flair. It was really authentic. It was yeah, very John was really Cena, cool. you know, and, and I think maybe that's what got old, maybe. I don't know, but he was awesome. He really was awesome, especially with the titles because yeah. everything he touched changed to, like, gold. It was so sick. That's true. I got to think about my tag team because I got a lot of people in mind. I got a lot of people from now, too, that are up there on my list. Um, Who was I- the one that came to mind well, when you thought of that? He said... Paul London and Brian Yeah, Kendrick, Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Which I was going to say as well. So I'm I think, curious to hear why. Well, I think that definitely, like, I was trying to show Brendan and Pat the other day that who they were. They had no idea. Yeah. And it's so interesting because they were tag team champions for a little bit. Yeah. Yep. But they weren't so equivalent to people who know about wrestling. Like, they know about the Hardy Boys. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Those guys were so, like, their entrances were just my favorite. Running out to the ring with a mask on, sliding into the ring. Like, I love that stuff. Didn't waste no time. And I think that just them in a ladder match was just awesome to see. They're little guys, too. And I know that Matt and Jeff were little at the time. And, um, well... Not really though. That's what was so cool about them. It's like they I'm were a little bigger. Man, I'll tell you that. Compared- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna get sued. <laughs> no, but with Brian Kendrick and Paul London, it was like their entrance. I mean, Paul London, like it was the most simplest move ever. At the time, I thought it was the coolest thing, where he would jump on the back of yeah. someone. I think it was called a mule kick. Oh yeah. Where they jump on the other. back of someone, and then. Brian Kendrick would grab, like, almost have, like, an RKO and then run up the uh, ring post into, like, a into like a backflip kind oh, of thing. Yeah, like yeah. a suplex yeah, yeah, they were kind sick. of move. Like, they, they, were were so they, had cool. some, they had some great moves. And it was so interesting to see, kind of, because Brian Kendrick came around now a little bit. But he was so young at the time when he wrestled. Yeah. He was, like... At least nineteen or twenty. A sleeper tag team because they didn't they didn't get to that top tier that we were just talking about rated right? RKO oh, DX yeah. right. Those were top tier Hall of Fame right tag teams, but these guys had that skill. But they I don't know if they just didn't last that long or what. But they put on a show, man. They were awesome. They were in that match that I was talking about where the guy broke his nose. Yeah. Those were the best moments. Were those tag team matches where they would either have a ladder match or it would be that hot tag that would just captivate an audience and those tag teams just stick in my head like from now on there were so many tag teams also though that 
had rivalries that so much part of the storyline. Like they had a tag team <laughs> and then the tag team would split up. Heel versus face. What like as a fan, who did you want to watch more of? And who did you want to kind of pay attention to more of? Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So like in the moment, obviously I was rooting for the, the baby face, but um, looking back, there is no baby face without a heel. You know, True. you need to have you need to have an enemy in order to like create that form of composite competition and that story, right? I don't think we rooted for like John Cena, for instance, for, throughout all of those years, right? But we rooted for John Cena because of the hills that he had to overcome, Edge. Randy Orton, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I don't think it's like one or the other. I think you need to have that good balance over time. Same thing with Daniel Bryan, what we were saying earlier, right? Daniel Bryan had like very little humps. And then he had this huge mountain to get over because he had the shot at the at the World Heavyweight Championship. Right. So it, Or like the WWE Championship. Like those, you need to have those heels in order for the heroes to overcome it, I, I think personally. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think the baby faces wouldn't be baby faces without the heel characters. Yeah. And just watching the heels, like, you know, just come after them. Like, it was always so unique. And, like, they always had a different bone to pick with each other. It made it so cool. And, like Adam said, like, they made, like, these different mountains for them to overcome. Well, you could even look at that for wrestlers who really didn't have a push either. Mm-hmm. Wrestlers who always lost. Wrestlers who um, never was able to get to a title because they were always that wrestler that was the losing wrestler. Yep. And I think that a lot of people overlook those wrestlers, but they were a huge part of why those big-name superstars are popular. So many that people overlook that they had a really good career because they lost. Isn't that interesting to think about? Because a lot of the time, fans don't think about that. They think about the winner. You need to kind of, like, validate the level of, let's say, like, skill a wrestler has, right? Like, John Cena coming in, he had to beat, you know, these these wrestlers. I mean, Kurt Angle was good at the time, right? But he still had to beat the low-level wrestlers in order to get access at the championship. I mean, that's like it's like UFC. Every, everybody has that. You have a matchup. You beat this guy, you can move up a tier, essentially. So if you don't have that dynamic in general, like those, I don't want to call them filler wrestlers because they're really not, because everybody does have a chance to kind of like get up to the top. Well, we've talked a lot about wrestling. I got one last question for you. Mm-hmm. Would you ever, one more time, get in a ring? As Gunner. I did. You remember that picture? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There was, a, there was a, an event. There was like a luchador event in, wow. in government center. And I... Mind you, let's not leave out the fact that there was 300 people there. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And I jumped the fence and jumped in the ring. <laughs> and I wasn't supposed to be. Absolutely And not. some random lady saw me do that. And she jumped in the ring with me and I was like all right you're gonna clothesline me now and she goes <laughs> and, she, and she goes what does that mean no no I said oh, no, just go throw a, a punk oh that's that's actually not throw what I said punk. I said all right you ready to wrestle and she goes I'm wearing a dress and I go all right you can beat me up because like 
you know, we used to wrestle each other and I'm yeah. used to like getting beat up. So I was like, you can close on me. She's like, what does that mean? I was like, I'm going to go off this rope. I'm going to come back at you and I want you to pretend to punch me in the head. And so she goes, okay. And so I go off the rope. I come back to her. She punches me in the head and I fall to the ground. And Chris is standing outside the ring laughing his ass off at me. And like people thought, because they were doing wrestling matches, like just like regular WWE store matches. Match. People thought it was the next match that was coming out. And then then the security guard came over and kicked me yeah. out. So people, like Adam sold it so well that people came gathering over. <laughs> and they're like, oh wow, like this might be another match. But the it was well done, like, <laughs> earlier in the day, and Adam was just out in the ring, like, whatever. But it did lead up to a great picture, which, obviously... Yeah, I'll that was a good picture. Yeah. Would I do it in our backyard again? Absolutely. I'm sure I'd hurt myself, but I'm so down. Looking back, I loved getting beat up. It was so much. It was so <laughs> much fun to, like, to, like, ha- to, to get choke slammed. Like, I loved being the guy to sell... And make the other person look cool. Because, yeah. like, when we're fit, like, literally me, who was like two times the size of you, Jack, when we were wrestling, and you were the king of kings, you were the champion, you had to be good. So, how does Jack choke slam somebody who's twice his size and weight? Right. I have to do a good job at selling that with you and for you. So, I. I love it. Looking back and like going in the ring being like, all right, I'll be the guy to get beat up, you know? Yeah. I, I love it. So, yeah, I'm, I'd be so beat down. That sounds yeah. like so much what about fun. you? Without a doubt, I would, I would do it right now. <laughs> if you, if Jazz Dallas called me out right now, I'd be running out, cue the music. <laughs> I, I'd be sprinting out there. So no much question. Oh, it's so many great memories. And I think that I'm very happy that we were able to do a podcast. Just talking about the stories we've had, about the love of wrestling, such a part of us that we we don't think about as much anymore. And if we do, that's great. But I think that it's something to share with others that this was our life. This was our wrestling life. This was every weekend. Yeah. For like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> at least for was, however long. And I, and I was, was going to say at least in the summer, but that's not true too, because we would go in the basement and find a couch to throw each other in. You know? Yeah. In the winter, we'd go downstairs and we'd have couches and we'd, we'd set up a mattress and we'd yeah. wrestle Same on that. Thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. I, it's funny too, like the Rebellion roster, our backyard brand, the Rebellion roster is like all of our best friends today. Yeah. yeah. You know? And all of our best friends that we can share these memories with. And I want to thank you guys for allowing you and you, Gunner and Daring and J.S. Dallas, all to be in a room together once again talking about wrestling. So thank you guys so much. Thanks for having us. Hell yeah! Well, well, well. What the jack? 215 just said that's the bottom line. And the book is closed for now. Want more episodes? All you need to do is follow What The Jack on Spotify, and you will stay up to date with new episodes. How about that for entertainment? Once again, that's What The Jack on Spotify.